This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. We're coming to you live from Austin, Texas. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, product guy, customer guy at Data.World, joined by Juan Cicada. Hey, Juan. Hey, everybody. I'm Juan Cicada. The principal scientist at Data.World, and as always, it's a pleasure having good drinks today. We'll talk about that in a second, but we're actually live from Data Council Austin here, uh, and we have a fantastic guest today, Abby Sivasilum. And the backstory about Abby is that we've been kind of communicating over Twitter and kind of just, hey, I love what you're saying. We're, we, we love we're on the same topics about semantics, about knowledge graphs, about calling people out when they're not when they're focused too much on the technology and not focused too, not focused on providing value. And I think we've really hit it off kind of on the slacks and on the Twitter DMs. Uh, how are you doing? Good. I'm the um, I'm the president and only member of the Juan Sequeta fan club. It's lonely <laughs> if anyone wants to join me. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Um, for anyone that would think about joining this podcast, though, I do want to make it clear. I don't have cocktails in front of me. I was shortchanged. I was promised cocktails. I don't have cocktails. Make sure you get it in writing that they're going to give you cocktails. Like, <laughs> This, this, yeah, I think I think we had a, a little. Uh, so here's the here's the thing is that unfortunately Tim is not here. We're gonna do the whole thing, but Tim actually is a little bit sick. So this is all. So because Tim is sick, we're not having drinks. So it's actually Tim's fault. <laughs> Sorry guys. I was right, anyways, to be right with y'all. So tell and toast. What are we? What sh what should we be drinking? And what are we toasting for? Uh, I would be drinking um, Glenfiddich Twenty One. Oh, fancy. Um, that's the sweet spot. It's like the 30 is like too mature for me, and the 18 is not enough. So it's the 21. Um, and we'll toast uh, We'll toast a good, good, good community and good vibes. Uh, Data Council has been a good time. I'm with you on that. I think the, the it was great last year getting this community together, and then again, everybody's here, and I, and I feel that uh, we have just it's, – it's just the right time for everybody getting together. And I was at Gartner last week, so it's a different community. So – I'm really excited. I'm cheering for the community. How about you, Tim? What are you uh, toasting for today? Well, um, I'll toast to Data Council. Um, unfortunately, I'm missing it today. And I'll actually toast with my chamomile tea, which which is funny because y'all didn't drink. I actually got some Portland orange bitters in here. So I'm the only one with alcohol today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kick it off with our funny warm-up question. So today's episode, we're covering fast value and metrics and what are the things in life that you wish happened faster? Um, I am the father to a two-year-old, and I would really like to fast forward through the next couple of years. Uh, <laughs> like, does this get easier? You have kids, right? I mean, your kids are younger. I have a, um, I have a uh, five-month-old, and um, I guess when I'll get to two, I'll, 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 uh, I'll get back to you on that one, see if I want to fast forward. <laughs> what you learn, what I'm learning is, you know, the kids are a lot like you, uh, and I realize I suck, I guess, uh, because <laughs> all things I don't like about my son are things I don't like about myself, apparently. <laughs> but uh, they're very expressed at two years old. So I'm waiting for a couple of years. Well, more. Tim, you got you got three kids. I, what do you want to follow up on that one? <laughs> oh, man, cherish it while it's happening. Yeah, it sucks, but terrible twos. Two, you'll love it later. Just take lots of videos. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let's just kick it off. We have a lot to discuss. So um, you just finished your talk. 
Uh, and I have to say, I think it, you're tied to with my favorite talk. There's, a, there's, there, there's two favorite talks that I've, I've seen. I'll go fight them afterwards. Uh, the talk by, by Tristan from Continual is actually excellent this morning. But honest no BS, what are data teams actually supposed to be doing? Yeah. So look, I mean, what we talked about in the talk was uh, like my background is I run data teams, I run growth teams, uh, usually both of them at the same time. Uh, the mandate that I charge my data teams with is uh, to build the company's growth model, right? The goal for a data team is uh, help the company define a growth model, which is essentially just how the company works. What are the mechanics of the company? Uh, what's the fundamental formula of the business? Uh, and to operationalize that fundamental formula, to help the rest of the company see how value is actually created and generated and transmitted within the company, and then to evolve that fundamental formula, right? Because the business will change, uh, the mechanics will change, uh, the drivers will change, uh, and the job of data team is to make sure they're on top of all of that change. And, expressing all of the uh, variants and how the business is operating in a growth model and to continue that cycle. So here, here's the thing. You have a very clear definition and you talk about defining the growth model, operationalizing it and evolving. Honestly, how many teams, people that you would talk actually do that? Because I'm going to call bullshit. I don't think most people do that. And you actually brought up something which I don't know if it was a joke or not. I'm going to think it's not. You said there's too many data people. We should fire 75% of them. I completely agree with you. I, I don't know if that was a joke or not, but if it was, uh, that I think that's true. Um, yeah. I Honest, mean, no BS. I, uh, yeah, we just need to can we close the door a little no, bit. No, keep it open. <laughs> People listen to this stuff. This is no, exactly um, what we need to go to. Yeah, no, the are a little scared right now. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the number of companies that actually, you know, what I preface my talk with is that nothing I am going to talk about today was revolutionary, right? The notion that growth models matter, that we should think about the fundamental formula of business, how fundamental formula your business works. Uh, none of these things are revolutionary. What's revolutionary is actually taking it seriously, taking those implications seriously and running your company like that. Uh, I have seen very few. Uh, basically, uh, the ones that the ones where I'm running growth and data, uh, but I've seen very few uh, that actually live the practice, uh, and that's true for a variety of reasons. And I think we can talk about a few of those, but that's true for a variety of reasons. But to answer your question on is it BS that we have too many data people or not? Uh, no, it is absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm serious that we do have too many data people. Um, look at Flexport. I had 67 analysts uh, in the in the BI org. There's way too many data analysts in the, in, in the BI org. Uh, the reason why you have so many data analysts, so many analytics engineers, so many data engineers uh, is because we don't know what good looks like. If we actually anchored on where we want to end up uh, uh, at the outset, we, we painted a picture of these are the metrics we want. Uh, these are the kinds of analysis we want. This is what we want to be able to do with our data. Uh, we can work backwards from there. We can work backwards from those primitives and we can define the rest of the ecosystem. Uh, the problem is most data people don't know what good looks like. Most business partners don't know what good looks like. They don't know what that end state should look like. And so they're just grappling accretively. They're just grappling day over day, week over week. And this kind of ad hoc grappling towards that future state is inefficient. And that's why you need a lot of data people. Uh, and you know, I think the hope is, and we're going to talk a little bit about standardization, the hope is that with more standards, uh, we can help more companies understand what good looks like and help them you know, shortcut the path to getting there. I love that. Well, so what are people then wasting their time on? Like, is it a lot of the, for example, like transformation work? Like, oh, I got to write another job to make a new thing, to output another thing. Is that, is, like, is that where we're... Is that the grind where we're wasting a lot of time these days? 
Well, I, I like to call this arbitrary uniqueness. Within, uh, within uh, companies, most of the variance of uh, what we do with data, uh, the analytics that we do, the internal facing data science that we do, the metrics that we report on, the dashboards that we make, uh, should be standardized, could be standardized across business model grounds, right? Uh, for the most part, for all these things I'm talking about, B2B is B2B is B2B. Marketplace is marketplace is marketplace. E-commerce is e-commerce is e-commerce. Uh, and the wasted efforts in all of these uh, companies and all these data teams is folks that don't take seriously how much variance you can explain with business model, uh, how much you can actually just standardize on, I am a B2B SaaS company, therefore I should be doing you know, these kinds of things. I should actually be looking at these kinds of dashboards, these kinds of metrics. Uh, this is the kind of the fundamental mechanics of this business that I work for, right? Uh, and that arbitrary uniqueness manifests as kind of rework on metric calculations, rework on defining the metrics, rework on data models, what should our ideal state of data models look like, uh, rework really every step of the way. And that rework uh, creates along the way data quality problems, it creates along the way uh, kind of efficiencies and tech debt that you have to work around. Um, but it's all grounded in this arbitrary uniqueness uh, where we're reinventing the way when we don't have to. So so, so, so a couple things here. One is, I think is it, not just, I think the data teams and not just data teams, but just technical side, the technical folks in general don't understand how the business works. And I think this is one of the stuff that we all, that I've been just banging this drum. I think we agree a lot of this is that we talk about data literacy. We need to have more of the business literacy. And I think having these metrics is one of those things to make it clear what this stuff actually means. So understand what the business is. Uh, how are, I mean, why aren't they understanding the business? Like, what do, what is what are the motivations or what, how do, what are the behaviors you need to go change to get that? And second, I, I want to bring up uh, something that your, your your partner in crime here is Urgus, mm -hmm. right? Urgus has actually been a guest on our podcast before. And Tim, you brought this up recently too. Urgus wrote this tweet saying, hey, data teams should participate, kind of help out in the whole PNL. And like, this was a, a backlash around Twitter. Like everybody, and I'm like- That was very controversial. It was very controversial. So let's dive on this thing, on this point in a bit, like data teams involved and how the business works and our thoughts, comments. Well, look, I mean, part of the problem, uh, so let's start with the business piece. Um, part of the problem with uh, a data team, an engineering team, a what-have-you team, understanding how business works is, uh, well, look, the business might not understand how itself works, right? Uh, your business partners in marketing may actually fundamentally not understand uh, their own growth model. Uh, and if they don't understand their growth model, how can you be expected to understand your growth model? How can that context be communicated to you? Uh, so look, I mean, one of the reasons why Juan and I started talking uh, uh, is this notion that this knowledge around these processes, how value is created in the business, uh, basically these kind of ontologies, right? Why I love knowledge graphs. Uh, those are at best tacit in people's heads but often not even tacit in people's heads, right? Um, there isn't that exercise of let's actually document how value is created in this company, uh, how value is transmitted, how it's transferred in this company. Uh, that artifact doesn't exist. I think that's an important artifact. Uh, this kind of, this dream of like having this knowledge graph of how the business works, uh, I think would go a long way towards creating that shared understanding, but we don't have that today. This is, this is I mean, 
continuously, I, how many, I don't, I've lost count how many times I've said in the last week about how I dislike the word data catalog because it's more about, not just about cataloging data, it's about cataloging knowledge. And it's exactly what you're saying that we need to have more. I think the metrics is one of the first, place, the first steps is to understand what are we measuring? How do we define success around that stuff? And then it's about how are these things related? What are those most important things, the most important concepts? What are the relationships? And keep tracking of the business processes. And you know what? I, I understand that we don't know that there's, there, there's not one definition of customer there's 10 15 what are those let's go write them down and and it doesn't matter if they're if we agree we need to figure out where we don't agree to figure out that later on where kind of the north star is or where it should be yeah and i think i think metrics are at the core i think metrics properly defined again if you know what good looks like if you know what the end state needs to look like metrics uh form the core and metrics are actually uh, uh one of the most durable concepts in an enterprise and they're often more durable than some of the concepts that underlie it so you mentioned customer right uh well look uh, the metric churn uh, is actually more durable than the metric than the entity customer underneath it, right? A customer could mean one thing today, it could mean another thing tomorrow, it could mean five different things in five different uh, uh, organizations. Uh, but the metric around churn, the calculation around churn, the business logic around churn, uh, again properly construed, properly you know thought about with an end state in mind, is actually more durable than the underlying concepts, which is one of the reasons why you start with the notion of metrics. You know, I, I look at an enterprise as well, like, I mean, everything for me is knowledge graphs and everything is like kernel knowledge graphs, right? But I think at the heart of an enterprise, the, the most foundational graph is actually a metric ontology, right? Everything else hangs on top of that. You start with the metrics ontology, then you hang in, you know, initiatives on top of metrics. You hang people on top of initiatives. You hang resources on top of people, right? But the core of the enterprise should actually be metric. That's the most durable concept properly construed in the modern enterprise. Abi, can you talk a little bit more about what do you think of as a metric and what and then what do you think of as like a concept or some of these other things that you're talking about just to get into the definitions a little bit more yeah well i mean in, in the case by way of example in the, in the example that we were using uh the metric would be churn right it's a business fact about how value is created in the enterprise uh or performance is measured in the enterprise uh these concepts that underlie those metrics are um the inputs into the calculation. So in this case, customer. Uh, well, customer is, a, is an entity that uh, uh, for which we measure the value through the measure through the metric of churn, right? Uh, for which we understand the performance through the measure of churn or acquisition. Okay. And and how does like knowledge graph tie to this? Like, why is knowledge graph everything around this? Well, I think knowledge graphs are a useful abstraction. We don't have to make it everything, but I do I do like knowledge graphs as a useful abstraction of kind of thinking about uh, what are the concepts in the business and most importantly, how they relate, right? Uh, one of the most important things that's missing when we work with metrics is that metrics uh, are missing the relationships between metrics, right? If I just have metrics um, on a dashboard, all those metrics are treated in isolation. I have metric A, metric B, metric C, uh, but I have no sense of uh, the hierarchy of those metrics, the influence that one metric has on another, uh, the interconnected web of relationships across these metrics. Well, what does that interconnected web sound like? It sounds like a knowledge graph, right? It sounds like a graph that expresses uh, how entities uh, are related to one another and related semantically, right? So I think it's one useful way of thinking about abstractions. But really, when I say uh, when I talk about knowledge graphs, what I'm interested in is concepts, but concepts and their relationships with each other, right? Uh, and that's what's missing in a lot of how we think about both metrics 
but also how we think about you know business entities. So I think actually one of the questions I last I heard at the end was about like operational questions, and that was just if you have a well-defined semantic layer, your knowledge graph of all your core entities. Effectively, the metrics are just going to be a function over that. It's just going the inputs, as you mentioned, the inputs are going to be the, cu the, the customer and all these things that happen around that. And it's really a query, a function that operates over that. And then the operational questions are going to be some other type of question over that that are not then fully related possibly to metrics. I think that's how I personally see this. And, yep. I, and, I, and, and what I'm struggling with are, are the people are just in this world of being so efficient that they don't separate this, so then they just they just do this, all this work and write all this SQL to do that. When we're like, wait, you had important abstractions, important concepts, important knowledge, important semantics that you just hid inside of your DBT transforms or queries that end up being so these CTEs. And we're like, you should have abstracted that so you could go reuse that. And because later on, there's important business knowledge there that it it, it become we lose it. And yeah. I think. But the problem, I mean, you mentioned DBT transforms, like the problem isn't DBT. The problem is, again, accretive development. The problem is people. Uh, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what the end, you don't know what good looks like. You're not starting at the solution. Uh, you're not starting by taking a step back, uh, you know, what you're, what the house you're trying to build looks like. Uh, you're building it as you go. And as you go, you create tech debt. And that tech debt looks like the abstractions that you steamroll over, right? The semantic knowledge that you might have actually pulled out uh, if you had a plan, on, a plan of attack on how you're actually going to go go about this. This is super interesting because um, to your point, Avi, I think that folks tend to steamroll over the abstraction piece. And, and to even go further than that, I think we spend, we've spent basically decades thinking about sort of the physical manifestation of the data and to some degree, the, the logical models and things like that that we're building around the data, but very close to the data constructs themselves, right? Yeah. And then we talk about like, business definitions and concepts and things like that, right? And there's obviously things like dashboards. So it's like we've got the three corners of this triangle, but then we kind of just gloss over the middle. Like we're like, ah, that's that's the means to the end and the end is the corners, right? So is part of what you're kind of articulating here, like we need to think of the middle more as part of the end. Like it's part of more, like we need to treat it with a lot more respect and a lot more focus. Yeah, I think that's a good way of describing it. And I think, uh, yeah, and I keep going back to the secreted development problem. Uh, the middle will be clearer if you know what the ends look like, right? If you know exactly where those points in the triangles look like and how they're expressed, uh, it'll be clear. It'll be easier to design the middle. Uh, we're more likely to end up with a with a solid middle. Mm, okay. So so let's let's talk about standardization and 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 you've been doing all this this soma mm -hmm. standards metrics. So yeah. Yeah. Floor is yours. Continue. Well, look, I mean, we're talking about uh, knowing what good looks like, uh, and we're talking about cutting arbitrary uniqueness. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, for the purposes of metrics, analytics, internal facing data science, which, by the way, is where 90% of the value from data teams comes from, uh, for those artifacts, uh, largely what you do should be determined by your business model. Uh, are you a B2B SaaS company? Are you a B2C SaaS company? Are you uh, uh, an e-commerce company? Are you a microservice company, et cetera? Uh, and if you understand that, then we can actually create community-driven standards uh, for what good looks like. Where does the kind of the end goal state look like for metrics, for analytics, and work backwards from there. And that's what we're trying to do with uh, this open source project I'm, I'm leading with Berger Shiblati. Um, uh, called SOMA, Standard Operating Metrics and Analytics. And the notion there is, uh, so we are 
we're just starting to soft launch it. Uh, but you know, you can follow us on social media and whatnot, and you can see us release uh, uh, updates to our GitHub repo and our, our website. Uh, but the notion is uh, for a B2B SaaS company, uh, look, there's 250 or so standard metrics. Uh, doesn't matter what B2B SaaS company you are. These are basically your core metrics uh, that uh, you should reason about when you understand how your business works. Uh, these are the key for each of those metrics. We specify a definition, a standardized definition, because these definitions are often gamed, right? Net dollar retention means different things in different companies uh, for totally arbitrary reasons that aren't justifiable. So what should net dollar retention actually look like uh, from a best practice perspective? What are the dimensions that you want to pivot that definition on? Um, uh, what are kind of the aggregations you should look to apply? What are the grains you should look to calculate that on? So we start there. We start the standards that we're talking about starts by anchoring on the actual exposures, the metrics and the analyses and the dashboards. What should those look like? And then we work our way backwards and we say, what is the fastest way for us to streamline, get to uh, those metrics in a way that doesn't create tech debt that you know preserves all of the kind of uh, local knowledge that we have about how the business works. And for us, we think uh, that uh, way that you get there is uh, through a mapping of your raw data to uh, activities, business activities. And so this is a, another big thing for me. Uh, I I really like what Ahmed and and Co have done with Narrator or the activity schema. I think the activity schema is a, an underrated concept. And basically, the activity schema is, hey, instead of thinking about your business as a bunch of tables, uh, instead of modeling your data as a bunch of tables, instead, model your business as a ledger, as an immutable ledger of facts that happen in the business. Right? Uh, and we take that core concept and we go a step further. And we create, in Soma, we create uh, 100 for SaaS, for instance, we create uh, 110 or so uh, business events. These are very semantic business business events. SDR uh, books a demo, right? Uh, where SDR and books and demo mean something, right? Um, and they have identifiers. Um, customer renews a contract where each of those things means something. It's a very semantic business event. And what we say is, um, look, uh, if you can map your raw data to these activities, if you can generate these activities, then uh, those activities are designed to plug into the metrics. And we know what those metrics seem to look like. So we'll you know, hang those metrics on top of these activities. That's, that's uh, the, the long and short of kind of how we're thinking about it. And the hope is, again, fire 75% of data people, the hope is that we can cut a lot of the arbitrary uniqueness, right? We can cut that accretive development, uh, which is totally unnecessary. And the much smaller data teams can focus on what is actually bespoke to the business, right? For instance, one thing that's actually hard to standardize is product metrics. Uh, you can standardize these at certain levels of abstraction, but only certain levels of abstraction. I can say a PQL, a product qualified lead, is a metric. I can uh, create an activity in our world, right, that maps to uh, that PQL metric. But if I wanted to dig deeper and I wanted to understand for data.world, what is the PQL? What are the drivers of that PQL point? Uh, there's only so much I can standardize. At some point, it will start becoming product specific. It will start becoming long tail. It will start becoming bespoke. But that's what data teams should focus on. They should focus on bespoke value. They should focus on what is truly unique to the business. Whereas today, most of the work is actually on the non-unique, right? It's on the arbitrarily unique. Um, so the goal is if we can define what that core looks like, we can hang the uniqueness on top of that, that core structure of standards. Interesting. That's a very key important takeaway right there is that you could probably look at the work and you could divide how much of the work is just 
reinventing the wheel that other people and other organizations similar, I mean, the same industry are like, we're asking the same type of questions. Like there's no reason why we should be able to work. The work that I did here, somebody else somewhere else is doing that. And that's not even competitive work. Then there's other work that is very specific to your organization, to your company. You're getting into the specifics of how our product uses. So data teams are just, you should basically focus on the stuff that's specific to you and not spend the time on stuff that is just freaking re repeatable. It's like, why am I doing this? Because there's other people typing in the exact same character somewhere else. Like that's waste of time. How do you really feel? I, 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 look, <laughs> I, I am just so freaking frustrated to go yeah. see, look, I'll be very honest hearing everybody saying, oh, the data engineers are spending too much time. They're so bad. I'm like, yeah, because they're doing stupid amount of work that is just repeated, repeated all the time that they shouldn't be doing that. If you're, they would be actually focusing on the stuff that is very specific to the organization that provides unique value. That's the stuff that we need to make sure that we need to empower them. But we're like, you're, you're spending all this time on stuff that's like, you should have done that. You're reinventing the wheel. I think this is this is why we take one step forward and like three step backs all the time, and then we reinvent the next technology that does this, and we gotta go do that again, and then we just keep going around in circles and circles. Yeah. Anyways, and I, and I will say like there have been attempts at automating all of this, right? There have been attempts. I mean, the notion of like uh, five tran uh, transform, whatever they call it, uh, DBT packages, uh, Looker blocks. Um, there have been lots of attempts and, and tons of uh, tons of uh, commercial tools um, that try to sit on top of your uh, Salesforce instance and give you all your sales metrics that try and sit on top of your Stripe metric, uh, Stripe uh, source uh, or Google Analytics and try and give you all the relevant metrics. Uh, look, my view is that fundamentally doesn't work. Uh, sources are too heterogeneous. Uh, this is certainly true for uh, complex sources like Salesforce, where no two Salesforce instances in the world are implemented the same way. But it's also true even for simple sources like Google Analytics, or even simpler sources like Stripe, even the semantics of charge codes within Stripe, or uh, the way I actually, from a business process perspective, handle things like refunds are uh, heterogeneous, right? Uh, so it's very hard to standardize. So there has to be a um, translation. There has to be a translation. There has to be one layer of abstraction up. And this is why all these tools have failed. All these approaches, I think, have failed uh, because there has to be an abstraction layer in between. That abstraction layer should be highly semantic. Uh, it should uh, yeah, think about the relationship of, uh, of these core entities. And then humans have to do the mapping. All right, I hear a comment that poor Tim needs to get a word in. So Tim, you got the floor <laughs> for five minutes. Oh, shoot. Somebody called me out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine here. I, I'm I'm actually fascinated by this recent turn of the of the conversation here. Like it, so you're kind of saying that there shouldn't be automated integration, right? You're saying that like actually what humans should do is to translate things to the semantic layer. Now I think what is interesting about what you're saying is that we don't have to get super, super creative on that semantic layer, right? You're saying that like we could actually leverage more of a standardized off the shelf, uh, uh, you know, uh, semantic layer. And I think that's a super interesting concept, but I, and, and I'm curious for you to add more to that, but I also want to put a fear out there. And my fear is, and I'm curious, Avi, how you respond to this is that we're just starting to get this industry to the point where they're like, oh, wait a second, maybe I do need a semantic layer. Maybe that idea from like 30 years ago was a pretty good one and we should actually come back to that. But now you're actually kind of taking it one step further and being like, hey, and don't get super creative about that. Let's just use like a, more of a standardized, uh, you know, semantic layer, which is like, okay, maybe is that a leap too far? 
kind of curious about your thoughts. Well, first of all, you have two more minutes to talk. We said you would give you five. So <laughs> you have two minutes of air time to kill. Um, I give you two minutes to the floor. Um, so, so I think, uh, I don't think it's a bridge too far. Let me, let me start there. I don't think it's a bridge too far. I think it actually lowers the activation energy, right? It makes it easier uh, because instead of having to do uh, a lot of the rework uh, and instead of the vendor lock-in, from having uh, proprietary, you know, semantic layer implementations, you have open standards for how you think about uh, those uh, uh, that semantic layer. Uh, so no, I think it actually streamlines the adoption. It makes uh, makes it easier to move on to the semantic layer. Uh, what was the other question before that? Um, the idea of not having to do that automated integration right. is not the yeah. goal here. It's really more uh, a human should be part of that. Yeah, no. So yeah, I fundamentally think automated integration is impossible. Uh, I think humans have to do the translation to uh, abstractions and we should define what those abstractions are and we can help humans tremendously. Uh, because look, one of the problems, data modeling is itself just a process of map of humans doing the integration, right? Mapping to abstractions. The problem is uh, data models, uh, dimensional modeling, uh, is a hard abstraction to couple to, right? Uh, and it's a very vague abstraction to couple to, right? You're basically given a set of first principles on how to generate dimensional models and you're told to run, right? Uh, instead, I think we can do a lot better. I think we can help people understand what are these nice semantic primitives uh, that you should map your data to. And if you can but map your data to those semantic primitives, uh, and the way we implement this in Soma is, by the way, actually is RDF triples. <laughs> so it's like uh, actor, action, object. The actual, the actual payloads themselves are designed to be very semantic, right? Uh, so that we can definitely use them in a relational database context. But you could also ideally load them into a knowledge graph, right? You can also finally start running. You know, there's all this notion, this hype around LLMs running SQL queries and all that. I don't think that's ever going to work unless the data that's underneath is highly semantic. And so this is a way to you know, get that data highly semantic. So yeah, look, I think we can be prescriptive. I think we should be prescriptive. And I think being prescriptive uh, lowers the activation energy that should hopefully expand adoption. Can I speak now? Yeah. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, so I'm already thinking about the naysayers saying, Hey, uh, this like here is the standard you should be able to go off to use off the shelf, and they're like, no, no, no but we're 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 different, right? And I mean, you're, you used to said like you're not snowflakes, right? You're, you're, we're not arbitrary well, uniqueness force field is strong. The arbitrary. Yeah. So how do we? Yeah, that, that's gonna be thing because yeah. you're gonna put this thing out. People are like, well, hold on, we can't use that as is because we're very different. So we're gonna go spend time and go change things. Like, this is not a hard problem. It, it's it's good cop, bad cop. Juan's bad cop. All right, we'll just come to every organization. We'll knock on their door. Juan's obviously bad cop, and I'll be good cop, and you know we'll change the world one company at a time. Now look, the arbitrary uniqueness force field is strong. I I hear that. Um, I think about this a lot. What is the wedge? How do you uh, how do you break in? Uh, to driving this kind of standardization when uh, there are strong headwinds. But look, what I've seen uh, is, let's take marketing orgs, for instance. I've worked with a lot of marketing leaders in my career uh, where they come in with a set of metrics they think they want. Um, and you know they say, this is how I like to look at a business and these are the dashboards I want. Um, but I've never had a conversation with a CMO uh, where if I brought them a standard, a true open standard, uh, and I said, uh, or at least what I told them was a standard, <laughs> and uh, and told them, uh, well, this is actually 
a better way to define these metrics, reason about the metrics, and this is a better set of metrics, and here's why, where they didn't buckle. Uh, and I think uh, the key is actually the imprimatur, the, uh, the aura around the standard itself, right? No one says, uh, my business is uh, a special snowflake, so I'm not going to use GAP. Right, I generally accepted accounting principles. Now, part of the reason they don't say that is because of the the the, the legal ecosystem legal. around it, right? But part of it is actually the existence of a standard, and the existence of a standard where I mean, look, bandwagon effect is a powerful thing, uh, and if you know that. Uh, uh, peers of yours are having faster time to value and have coupled to an open standard, I think there's you know strong incentives to also couple to that standard. If you have pressures, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of VCs who are now pressuring their portfolio companies uh, to couple to standards like SOMA, uh, because otherwise uh, those VCs can't actually understand how one portfolio company is doing against another. It makes benchmarking impossible. So look, there's carrots here, there's sticks here, there's bandwagon effects here. But you know, uh, you you need a standard to exist first before the standard can be adopted. And so far, we haven't had that. So the idea is, if you have that, then we'll try and use carrot sticks and bandwagons to try and make it work. Ooh, this is another big takeaway you just said there for 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 the investors, the VCs, and the audience. It's like you probably need to be the one quote unquote forcing down this metric standard because that's going to help you, the investor, the VC, saying I can now I have a standard way of comparing. So now. You're just basically mandating your companies to go do that. I think that's that's actually a really reasonable thing to go mandate. And at the end of the day, it's like you make the, the investor's life easier. You make your life easier as a, as a company to start up. Uh, I think that's a I hope that could, I hope that happens. I hope we start seeing this. I hope so, too. So what 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 what's next for for, for Soma? And um, yeah. So, uh, so you know, we are uh, we're just starting to baby launch Soma. So we're starting with uh, just uh, a snippet of growth accounting metrics, uh, just for B two B SaaS. Uh, over the next couple of months, really by you know July, we're targeting uh, you know rolling out uh, all of B two B SaaS, all of the activities associated with B two B SaaS, uh, all of these metrics and the standard calculations, and then we'll slowly start to expand to B two C e commerce marketplace. A lot of this work has been done already, but. Uh, we want to make sure the standard is battle tested, right? So you want to make sure we are actually working with companies. We're actually doing implementation. Uh, we can point to real world examples of success uh, to help drive that adoption. But uh, yeah, you can follow us along. I mean, I, I would recommend you follow both Ergis Shablati and myself on, on Twitter, uh, as well as right now, uh, somostandard.com is pointing to a GitHub page. And that's where you can follow, again, just the baby feather launch. Uh, but there will be there will be more launches here. Uh, following in quick succession over the coming weeks. And that's github.com slash somastandard, right? Or just somastandard.com and it'll route you there, yeah. Somastandard.com. And if a company wants to start using this, like what's the best path for them? And then more specifically, like as a data person, if I want to kind of think about like, how does my life change and how does it engage with something like Soma? Like if I wanted to start adopting it, I'm a data engineer or an analytics engineer, like what does that mean for my life and my day? Yeah, well, I mean, look, the way I, um, DBT is very common these days, and I'm sure a lot of your audience is DBT, so uh, I'll take a kind of a DBT-focused approach to this. Uh, the goal for me is that uh, for all of the activities we're talking about, uh, these you know, 110 business activities that you can represent a SaaS business with, these very semantic events that happen, uh, those are basically expressed now as dbt models where instead of a dbt model for every uh you know entity or you know staging tables or whatnot that you have uh what you start with is by mapping your raw data 
uh, in whatever form by using that local context to uh, map that data to activities, activity by activity, dbt model by dbt model. Um, and the idea is that once you have that, now you've generated uh, the, the raw materials for the rest of SOMA to translate into metrics, uh, to uh, have this immutable ledger that can then be modified and exposed into varying outlets, right? Whether it's a knowledge graph or a BI tool directly uh, or just for people to query. Uh, but the starting point is start thinking about your business as activities. And I think even if you don't use the rest of the thing is like SOMA is de designed to be uh, modular. You can use all of it. You can use none of it. You can use some of it. Uh, there are folks that can just use the metrics but nothing else and no calculations, uh, no automated calculations, but you can use the metric definitions and that alone is helpful. It alone is helpful just to know that as a marketing team, I should use these metrics. As a data analyst, a supporting marketing team, these are the metrics I should be thinking about. This is how I should slice them. These are probably how my dashboard should look, right? That alone is helpful. Uh, if you would like to just use activities, I think that alone is helpful too. Thinking about your business as a set of activities, reasoning about your business as these semantic activities, and that being that that being a new kind of staging layer, and then building entities or whatever kind of data models, wide data models, dimensional models on top of that, right? Or you can use them both together. So I think there's a lot of different ways to go depending on what's most salient. I think most teams should probably start by just metrics and metrics definitions and trying to fold those definitions into their current way of operating, trying to uh, present those metrics uh, to business partners and then slowly start ex expanding uh, backwards uh, into pipelines. So in your talk today, you focused more about the design. Mm -hmm. A bunch we, of trees. Yeah. And, and then, but we didn't get into the into the building part, which I think mm -hmm. people would want to go here. So yeah. the, the from what I've extrapolated, the building part is a lot about activities. And specifically, you're talking about like the activity scheme, the scheme, right? Uh, yeah. That's one. Uh, second, a way of implementing this would be through dbt models right mm -hmm. um, we're just, just writing a bunch of sql and this stuff what other is is that the way are there more ways around that and also who are the people so we we talk about data engineers we're talking about you know there's the analytics engineers like who are the people who are actually implementing building these things within an organization yeah well you know uh, the metrics the, it depends on your organization right there's uh at least four different definitions of what a data science person does in a yeah. company, data analyst, BI analyst, there's this constellation. So after we fire those 75% right, people, right. the 25% left are who? Well, look, there's <laughs> folks that are focused on uh, uh, metrics and BI. Uh, and those folks are going to be focusing more on uh, using kind of the metric standards, right? Whatever that looks like, but using those metrics and presenting those metrics um, in in dashboards or WBRs, MBRs, uh, whatever interface makes sense. And then there's folks on the more on the engineering side that are actually doing the data mapping. But I think that's kind of how you see the the work splitting up here. That there's folks that are actually doing the raw mapping of raw data into these activities, into this abstraction. And there's folks that are uh, hanging at kind of the end of the value chain that are. Uh, taking the data that exists either after it's in an activity kind of format or taking the data as it currently exists in its, in its current format and expressing it as, as metrics. Uh, what uh, we also talked about in the talk was what do you do with those metrics uh, when you have them, right? And the focus of the talk that you know, Juan is referring to that we just got out of is uh, that you know, we started this conversation with this notion that what data teams should do is help build a growth model, right? Uh, but uh, we haven't talked about at all about what a growth model is in this podcast. So once you have the metrics, 
you know, the key is to figure out how to tie those metrics together, right? Again, relationships are what matters, right? So it's great that you have new MRR. It's great that you have, you know, existing MRR, these like these um, growth accounting metrics. Uh, what's important is to uh, start uh, building a tree, building a web of this metric has these drivers, right? And I'm actually going to start specifying these relationships because if you can start getting explicit and you can start getting explicit just on paper, right? You can just say, I have these 10 metrics. I'm going to draw out metric one, metric two, metric three, and I'm actually going to draw out the relationships. But if you can start getting explicit about those relationships, then you can start doing all the things, all the use cases that we talked about in the talk, right? Once you start getting explicit about that, Root cause analysis, which is a major pain point for data teams, right, can be completely automated uh, because you're actually explicit about what the driver chains are. Forecasting can be largely automated because forecasting is just a function of forecasting inputs to get those outputs, right? Um, you can run, you can operationalize these metrics in a much better way by using the relationships between the metrics to run planning cycles, right? How many planning cycles have you seen be successful? I've seen very, very few. And that's because planning cycles aren't based on a web of metrics and their relationships, right? No one actually knows how metric A ties to metric B. This is why OKRs end up being a disaster in most organizations because your team has OKRs, my team has OKRs. We have no model to relate our OKRs together, right? But if you actually build that model of this is how the constellation of metrics uh, is interrelated, then the initiatives that we that we layer on uh, are oriented towards that web. Now, you were, you're looking a little stressed. No, <laughs> no, I'm actually now you opened up a good question, which is what's the relationship here between all the metrics and, and, like, and things like SOMA and stuff that you're defining with OKRs? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we talked about this a, a little bit a few minutes ago. I think the problem with um, OKRs is simply that, uh, well, the pre predominant problem with OKRs is simply that they don't have a model that they hang on of how all of these metrics are interrelated, right? Uh, most OKR-based planning cycles fail uh, because, uh, you know, you create your metrics in isolation, I create my metrics, my KRs in isolation, and they're not hanging on a concerted model, right? So, again, if you can focus on what is this... What we talked about, you know, uh, earlier today was the goal for me when I run these data and growth teams is to build one giant driver tree, right? I start at the North Stars for the business for the organization, and I start decomposing, decomposing, decomposing inputs, 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 right? And what you want to do is you want to take all these metrics and you want to plant them on a web where you understand how all of these metrics relate to one another, they decompose, what's their hierarchy, because that's the real power, right? And that's the problem with BI tools today, that they're static, you don't have those relationships, but if you have those relationships and those relationships are explicit, planning now becomes much easier, right? Because you orient your planning towards that web. Forecasting, root cause analysis, right? Um, business reviews become easier because you start on a part of the tree and you work your way down, right? All of this is possible if you actually think about the metric ontology, if you will, right? And the idea is that SOMA and all of this make it easier because we know what the metrics are, right? Uh, and we have those metrics created. And so now it's easier for us to start sketching out those relationships. The, the, this goes back to it, sometimes a business doesn't even know how the business works. Mm -hmm. So then it's hard to even define what these top level North Stars are. They have the metrics. And that's why OKRs can be a disaster around these things. Wow, so much stuff. Um, look like, I mean, we're taking notes here, as you can see. <laughs> Tim, you want to? You got any final thoughts before we go to our lightning round? No, I. Um, 
I, I queued up a couple of lightning round questions that I think uh, are, are going to open up some interesting conversations. So maybe we leave a little bit of extra room for context on our lightning round. All right. Well, let's let's kick it off. Let's move to our lightning round question, which is uh, always presented by Data.World. I'm going to number one. We talked about the importance of metric layers and the, and the metric standard. Is it important to have a metric store? Um, by metric store, do you just mean that the metrics are actually pre-calculated and, uh, and serve as a pre-calculated entity? I would say that there's now products and technology around metrics themselves, right? There are even tools that do this. So basically, do we need more technology around this stuff? Or frankly, just it's a bunch of SQL, you write an activity schema, that's it. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I think... Uh, I'm, I'm not so concerned about implementation details here. What I do at every company is I actually just pre-calculate the metrics, right? So I, uh, I build something. I, I, I joke that it's called, a it's a, called a data net. A net is like a projection of a cube in 2D space. Um, but every, every company I go to, I, it's like blank stats. So Flexport was flex stats. Honeybook was honeybook stats, right? Uh, and it's just a stats table. That's a flattened cube. And it's just every metric at every grain, at every dimension, at every period, at every aggregation has a row. And uh, that becomes the predominant interface. Uh, that's what powers dashboards, which means dashboards go lightning quick. Uh, that's what powers exploratory, you know, in, in Looker, that's actually the most important Looker Explorer because most of the time people don't want to do, you know, a bunch of exploratory analysis uh, on, uh, entities, right? They just want to find metrics. They just want to find metric relationships. They just want to know what the metric answers are. And so that's what, you know, uh, we hook up the primary, the most used Looker Explorer in the company to. Um, and, uh, you know, when you really pre-calculate metrics and you treat them as a primitive, then you can much more easily do things like correlation analysis, automated forecasting, automated root cause analysis, et cetera. So look, I, maybe this is stupid or simple, but like I pre-compute everything at those grains, at those permutations, and I persist them. And that's one big metrics table. And that's what I use. I don't think it need to be more complicated than that necessarily, but you know, to each their own. <laughs> right. I love it. No, yeah. you don't need to complicate it. <laughs> yeah. No matter how you decide to implement it, right. By doing this, you can solve a lot of problems and the performance should be a lot faster too. Yep. Interesting. All right. Second lightning round question. Um, five years from now, will metrics layers be commonplace or is the adoption cycle going to be longer than that? Metrics layers. Um, I think, uh, I think metrics layers are, uh, look, the challenge of metrics layers is where should they live? Um, the challenge of uh, metrics layers that aren't in BI tools is how do the BI tools talk to them, right? Uh, and I think the metrics layer tools that we see on the market today are facing this existential question of, uh, well, they're, most of the world uses Power BI or Looker or Tableau or something else. Uh, how are they going to talk to my metrics layer? And I think it's an unsolved problem, and I think it's a really existentially deep problem for these metrics layer tools. And um, I don't know that there is a clear resolution. Uh, I think it's very possible that uh, the right metrics layer solution is actually an open source standard for a metrics layer. I mean, years ago, I thought Looker should have just open sourced LookML uh, and that everyone should just use LookML. And basically, the idea was, oh, LookML is now our standard metrics layer. Uh, everyone uses it. We create network effects around this protocol, 
but we are the first and best consumer of that protocol because you know we're the sponsors, we invented it, etc. And uh, uh, and we focus on the last mile, right? Uh, we focus on the last mile value you can get from this protocol. Uh, I think if I had if I had to bet on a long-term steady state evolutionary equilibrium, it would be that metric layers have to live very close to BI tools. And the best way for them to live very close to BI tools is that's a shared protocol uh, where BI tools now just focus on that last mile. But that's an unlikely world, right? <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Interesting. Well, I think in, I have a little bit of a follow-up question that'll come later, interestingly, about that. But um, I think what's also interesting is that you, you actually separate this idea of standardized metrics from this idea of the metrics layer quite a bit, it seems like. And I think that's a big aha moment for me. That's an implementation detail, right? I think the metrics- But it's an important one. It's a very, because I think people combine them. Uh, it, it might be, but like, again, to my notion about this, like flex stats or Honeybook stats or, you know, whatnot, um, we can bypass that implementation detail entirely, right? Uh, so people might conflate it, but it is an implementation detail metrics themselves, you can think about more broadly, whether it's in a metrics layer, whether it's, you know, you jump, go, you do not pass go and you jump straight to like a metrics table or something. Lots of different ways you could do this, right? Uh, I, again, I don't know what the steady state of that of that implementation layer is. I will say Soma thinks about jumping right to the nets, right? Yeah. So in Soma, we're trying to create nets because that's vendor agnostic. I, I, I appreciate how we've been trying to get you a little bit more to technical the details and you're like, nah, it's an implementation detail, it's not important. So. Um, next question I got, um, as we implement standard metrics, will that help data teams understand the business more? Yeah. I mean, the, the hope is that, uh, there, look, there's information in the metrics, right? There's information in the definition of the metrics. Uh, but also once you have the metrics, if you can, if you know what the metrics need to be, if you know how to get to the metrics easily, uh, you cut a lot of that wasted arbitrary uniqueness, right? And that you can focus that on not only what's unique, but also as a data person, getting context, right? Um, so it frees up just a misallocation of data team resources that we're, we, we struggle with. Final question, Tim. Final question. It's going to bring back something you said earlier, Abby. Okay. If we follow standardized metrics all the way forward, this vision comes to full reality here. Does BI and analytics actually become a simple automated last mile thing? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the ideal for me is that uh, everyone should focus on last mile, right? Like BI tools should all just focus on uh, varying approaches to last mile. That could look like being the best visualization tool possible. That could be look like being the best, I guess what people call data activation or whatever <laughs> tool possible, right? Uh, where uh, you are, I mean, Looker does this really well, right? Where Looker is integrated, you send reports from Looker to uh, a constellation of other tools, right? Reverse ETL Lite, if you will. Um, but it, you can send email campaigns directly. You can send customer engagement campaigns directly, you know, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I think, look, the, the ideal would be that we commodify what should be commodified. And the commodification creates platform network effects that allows people to create value in the long tail. And that's where I would love for them to create long tail value, that, that where, where I would like them to create value. In the same way that we misallocate human capital uh, with arbitrary uniqueness, we also misallocate uh, company capital, right? <laughs> we financial capital by investing in all of these tools that are also reinventing the wheel over and over again, when large swaths of what those companies do should be utterly commodified. And uh, we should then allow those companies to focus on what makes them unique. That's the hope. This has been a fascinating conversation. We got so much notes here. Uh, Tim, kick us off with the takeaways. All right. 
data team mandate, build a company's growth model, define a growth model, operationalize the fundamental formula and evolve the fundamental formula. I think this was a pretty big aha moment, a big takeaway, because I think that data teams sometimes feel that they are very much this sort of supporting function and they're an order taking organization. Right. And the idea that they could be so integral and so involved in helping the company to understand their business and evolve it and make it better, um, despite being slightly obvious on its face, is also a very under implemented model. Um, metrics aren't new. Um, what's revolutionary is maybe taking it more seriously. Um, too many data people. Right. This is one thing where if we really implement these metrics models, maybe actually a lot of the effort that we're playing right now and that data teams are doing is very re redundant, repetitive, uh, mundane work that it should actually be focused on just mapping to the standard model. And they could be focused on what you call these more important long tail activities, the things that are truly unique to your business, not the stuff that everyone has to spend, you know, what seems to be many months redoing the same work over and over and over again. And you mentioned this idea of arbitrary uniqueness, this idea that every company kind of feels like they're a snowflake and that they've got to, you know, spend those, you know, I, all of us have worked at a lot of companies, right? And, and, and if you are redoing your data stack, right, you're like, oh, we're in for the next three years, we're going to redo our data stack, right? Um, but is that really true? Do we always have to go through these same motions, the same idea of arbitrary uniqueness, uh, and you said, hey, B2B is B2B. Marketplace is marketplace. E-commerce is e-commerce. There's much less various than we think. We shouldn't be doing all this rework on metrics, definitions, and data models. Why aren't data teams involved more in the business? Well, the business may not understand itself, how it works. Uh, and a lot of times the business model is either tacit in people's heads or not even tacit. It hasn't been documented. It's not explicit. What we should be focused on is the metrics, we should be trying to make sure that the metrics are durable, things like churn. That is a business fact. It is a calculation. We could really be building all of our data around these durable pieces of, uh, of these durable elements. Um, and, you know, not enough people are focused on this. And we shouldn't steamroll past this idea of the abstractions. We should really not just focus on the edges of the pyramid, which are sort of the, the reports and the source data and the concepts, but we should focus a lot on that middle piece, making sure that the, the abstractions and the connections are good and really making metrics a first-class citizen. So I have so many other takeaways, but Juan, I'm gonna pass it over to you. You mean so I could have just said that in three minutes? <laughs> well, that's why when the, when the podcast come out, you can just listen yeah. to the takeaway part. You don't have to go listen to everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> One thing we talked about, I, I really loved about the metrics is the durable and then the entities, those things can change. I think that's an also very key takeaway right there. Mm -hmm. um, we need standards for what good looks like. That, that's, 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 that's another important one because we don't know what good looks like. And I think what you're doing with SOMA, the standard operating metrics and analytics, like this is a first approach towards, towards that, right? You have over 100 business semantic events, like a customer renews a contract. And, and effectively, uh, what you want to go do is start to map your existing raw data into those activities to do that. And yeah, people have actually been trying to go do all this stuff before, but the thing is that all their sources, trying to automate this, but the sources are all very different. No two Salesforce implementations are the same. So you really want that translation layer to be semantic because the humans need to be able to co-create those connections, right? Well, it does open the question, will it make it hard to adopt these semantic layers that we have these metrics that we were defining? And you're saying, no, because it's, 
actually being prescriptive lowers that activation energy right there. And at the end of the day, if you actually, this is all just triples, right? You put this into a knowledge graph, that's one way of how you can make this really highly semantic. So how do you break this arbitrary uniqueness force field? Well, said marketing shows up. They say they have these they have these metrics that they want. They want these bash, dashboards. They already know what they want when it comes to metrics. Uh, no one is saying, I'm super special. I want to do gap accounting. Like, no, there's always kind of even regulations requirements. So you need to have the carrot and the stick. And one example that we, that we came up with was like, hey, VCs, they just need to standardize the way to tell their portfolio companies, you need to go do metrics this way because it's going to help them do the do, 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 do benchmarking. So that may be the, the carrot and the stick to go do there. Um, how do we manage people implementing this? Well, you guys are showing this right now in DBT. Uh, then this can go into knowledge graphs and the BI tools and so it's going to be very modular around that. Uh, so what's next for Soma? You're starting with the B2B SaaS metrics and you're fleshing that out. And I think B2C and e-commerce are coming out. And then finally, I think it was interesting to kind of close this back out with like OKRs. And I think one of the reasons why this fails a lot is because the business doesn't even know how the business works and we lack that North Star. So if we actually we are very clear about what that North, North Star is, we can start decomposing it goes into metrics and then into the actual entities and activities around there, which forces us to really understand how the business works. Sounds great. How did we do? Anything we missed? I think that's it. Uh, I just, I think only, uh, the only thing I'm missing is my cocktail. So. All right, we're going to get that. Asking. So we're going to throw it back to you for three, three final questions. All right. More questions. Yes. That's it. We're wrapping this up now. Right. Number one, what's your advice? about data, about life, whatever. Second, who should we invite next? And third, what resources do you follow? What people, podcasts, blogs, newsletters, conferences, so forth? Um, so I'll, I'll answer them in reverse order. So I think Data Edge, um, oh, Data Edge podcast is a good podcast. Your guys' podcast is great. The Analytics um, uh, Engineering Roundup is a great newsletter. Uh, uh, I think Data Edge Weekly, uh, Anand Pakaldari puts it on, I think is also great. Um, I think folks to chat with, uh, lots. Uh, so someone sitting in the room right now is uh, Ahmed from Narrator. And I think I was telling Ahmed this um, last night, uh, Activity Schema was in some ways just ahead of its time. And that time might be now. Um, and uh, I, I think for a variety of reasons, uh, the rise of AI and LLMs that need a, a more natural semantic querying interface, I think is a big one. Um, I think uh, the state of where data is and how it needs to be mapped, um, a lot of things that we've been talking about, I think thinking about your business as instead of a, instead of entities and whatnot, as that first level of abstraction being a set of activities uh, and seeing your business as a set of activities that companies do and customers do is I think important and I hope gets more traction. So I think Ahmed um, is, a, is a great person to have on. Uh, Lots of others I can I can share, but you know maybe I'll, we'll start there. Um, and then advice. Uh, look, the mandate for a data team is to build your growth model, right? Uh, and uh, if you see your mandate as building and owning that growth model, I think it's transformative. I think you will no longer have questions about how do I create value? Do I create value? Your company will not have those questions. Uh, you know, I see. Uh, I, you know, we talked about metric trees here. I see the goal of uh, a data team as uh, to understand that growth model, to help people understand it, but then to also, and this is very important, 
to identify new levers for that growth model, right? I think of a business as having growth levers. Uh, data people should see themselves as using analysis and experimentation to find new growth levers. They're in the process of growth lever discovery, growth lever verification, so that operators can pull those levers, right? That's how a business grows. And if you're engaged in that cadence, there will never be questions about are you creating value or not, but you need to get into that cadence, right? And so everything we've talked about today are you know ways to grapple at getting into that cadence. That's the best way to finish this. That's excellent advice. Uh, I'm glad Ahmed is here because I've, I've, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast. So it's really cool. We're connecting here. Uh, and with that, just a quick reminder, next week we have uh, Benny Clive Benford, who is a former CEO of Jaguar Land Rover. Really excited about that conversation. You, If you're not following him on LinkedIn right now, you are truly missing out about all the stuff that he's been talking about, just true driving value uh, from data teams. And with that, Abi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks, Tim. Too bad you're not here because we're going to go out for a cocktail now. Uh, thanks to Data World who lets us do this every single Wednesday. We've been 130 episodes. I don't know, three, almost three years. Three years soon. Thank you. Thanks, folks. Have a Cheers, good one. And enjoy Bye. The this is Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.